stuck in my ways I'm stuck in the house for most of the day I'm chasing my dreams and running away All right, welcome to another episode of Hey Mark, the podcast where I, Mark, get to have open and authentic conversations about things like mental health, pushing past adversities, whether that be in your personal life, your work life, entrepreneur life, or maybe just your mental or physical health. At the end of the day, all I'm trying to do is push some good vibes forward into the universe and Talk about those struggles that we have to overcome to get to that pursuit of happiness. So if you're brand new to this content, then please feel free to follow along on this journey with me and hear from different individuals that have pushed past different struggles to gain different perspectives. And if you enjoy this content, you feel it's helpful or entertaining, or you think that it'll help you help a friend, then share with somebody that you love. And maybe someone that's struggling with something currently, has struggled with something in the past, or maybe just wants to carve their life into a better direction. And if you're not new to this, then thank you so much for supporting this journey with me and supporting the notion that basically anyone that's struggling is not alone. That includes you as well. Now, today I got to speak with Alexander Gerling, the man, the myth, the legend. And it was a really sick conversation. I really enjoyed it and it was really motivating. It put me in a really positive mood. So I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I did because it was a good one. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 21 of Hey Mark. Let's get into it. Bang, we are recording. And I just pulled my headphone out of my ear. But today I am chatting with Alex Gerling. So Alex and I have been friends since Douglas College, the college that we went to right out of high school. We met in the first year. And you kind of got to grow a lot from where I've seen in the beginning. Uh, but why don't you kind of just jump in and tell people what you're doing now and what you've kind of been up to the last couple of years. And, uh, and we'll just go from there. Yeah, so like Mark said, I met him when uh, we were 17 during Frosh at Douglas College, and we started hanging out quite a bit, and um, I went from Douglas, transferred to SFU, and got a geoscience degree, and while I was doing that, I did a lot of public speaking for mental health initiatives, which we'll talk about how I got in that today, and once I graduated, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, so me and my girlfriend, now fiance, uh, took off for 14 months, went to Australia, New Zealand, and Southeast Asia. And decided on the trip that I geoscience and geology was not what I wanted to do. So came home and I'm currently pivoting into real estate development. And currently I'm interning at the University of British Columbia Properties Trust, which is a company that develops all their institutional and market buildings. And I'm doing a diploma of urban land economics, also at UBC. So that's what I'm up to now. And me and Mark have recently reconnected after at home from my trip. And notice we both have a lot more in common than we thought. So here I am. Yeah. So we were kind of just talking. I think I've been able to form this idea a little bit better now in my head, but we were talking about like uh, an employer seeing an employee that they have maybe, or an interviewer or whatever it is uh, with a checkered past or a checkered history, but having them on an internship, like what you're doing right now is a cool uh, concept to do because it kind of screens past the history and yeah. it allows you to see like the character they are today, right? It allows you to see how they accept wins, but also how they learn from failures as well. Like it kind of lets them see your character. You think that that's kind of like advantageous for people as opposed to like the traditional, like just job interview, hire or not hire? Yeah, I think that's a good idea, especially um, 
for someone that comes like with my background without having the skills that everyone else has in terms of education and experience, mm. like I have no construction experience. So I think, yeah, any kind of internship like that is a great idea just to kind of vet someone. Cause you want to see, it doesn't really necessarily matter how much they know, but how much they're willing to learn and how much they're willing to progress and, you know, ask to keep doing stuff, show initiative, that kind of thing. And yeah. Nice. And so what made you interested in like jumping into this job that you're doing right now? Well, I always found it really cool that with mining that you could get a plot of land and add value to it. So in mining, you dig down. So you'd have a piece of land that basically is worthless, but if you can figure out, okay, there's something down here worth something, then it, that land becomes valuable. And I didn't want to do geology or geoscience because a lot of it involves being away from home. And that's just not the life that me and my fiance wanted to live. And yeah, plus I, I just figured out I was just more interested in more economic kind of day to day negotiation kind of stuff. And yeah, another way of adding value to land is to build things on it. You're just building up, sit it down. So I thought it was a good idea. So I started uh, cold calling guys in the industry, just kind of chatting about what it's like, what their, the pros and cons are, and decided I'll take a shot at it. So yeah, that's, that's basically what I did. I'm loving it so far. I think it's great. Fitting that's really perfectly. interesting, man. That's really interesting that you say you just like randomly started cold calling people in the industry. A lot of people, like even myself, I would probably like jump on YouTube, I'd jump on Google. But to have the notion or the thought of like, just to start cold calling people in the industry. I like yeah. that, man. That's just kind of how I, how I am. If I want to do something, I, I want to hear from people that are in the industry. I'm not phoning them asking for a job, so it's not necessarily scary. Because people love to talk about what they love, and these people love to do it. And especially if they've done it their whole career and they're in a high-up executive position, like it's great to talk about where they started. And, you know, a lot of people don't get to talk about that because people just care about who they are now, not where they started, right? So it was... It was a fun time for both parties, I think. Yeah, that's cool. Did you have anybody that was, because like, I feel like if you ask a lot of people that have been doing a certain career for a long period of time, there's certainly like subconscious in the sense that they like, they don't want to regret it or they don't want to feel like they regret it. So they may just talk about like a lot of the positives or the things mm. that they're proud of, like maybe accomplishments or accolades. Did you have anybody that kind of forewarned you about any stressors or any oh. failures that they had? Yeah. A couple people. Um, typically, when I just meet someone for coffee, like you say, yeah, you wouldn't hear about that. You only hear the positives, mm -hmm. right? But I've got to know a couple guys who've been very successful and go out for drinks or whatever, pass the coffee, out for dinner. Even my fiance Emily, we went out with one guy for dinner. And yeah, a couple of the things that they've told me that just you got to keep an eye on is just make sure you have a healthy work-life balance. Like, obviously, you're going to work a lot in this industry. People typically mm -hmm. put in 50, 60 hours. It's pretty normal. You got to make sure that you have that balance or else you'll burn out pretty quick. And another thing I was warned about was traveling a lot, just how hard that is on marriages, especially if you have a kid, too. That was one mm -hmm. big regret, a guy who's very successful and old now. And um, his wife's passed away, and his biggest regret was that he was gone all the time, making deals all over the world. So, I feel like that could happen, though, like even with like a 40-hour work week. I feel yeah. like there's so many people that just like they're just kind of stuck in their day-to-day -day lives, and they're not really present with their family members. It's kind of yeah. crazy how that happens. We have to force yourself to prioritize what you want to prioritize. 
if you want to yeah. come home and have a beer and watch TV, like that's all you're going to do. So you have to make plans. I always find it good to um, just refresh. I call it refresh once a week. So like, well, me and Emily will do something that we haven't done before. So we will, because of COVID, we can't really go out as much, but typically we go to like a new restaurant or go for a new walk somewhere, that kind of thing. That's sweet. Keep, man. keep things new, keep things interesting. Don't get into that pattern of just being comfortable, you know, because that's when things start to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. And how long, how long have you guys been together now? If you don't mind me asking. No, oh, over three years. That's yeah, I met her in 2017 at a party and then we went traveling for 14 months. So it feels like much longer because we were together basically every day. I think only one day she went to a concert and I didn't go. But other than that, we were together all day, every day. That's crazy, man. I feel like, yeah. I think if you're like traveling with someone for 14 months, I feel like that's like an equivalent of like, like hanging out with them probably oh, yeah. for like three years because you don't see yeah. them very often when you're just like chilling randomly. Yeah. Right? And you get to see the, the real side because uh, when you're dating someone, you don't live with them. If you're seeing them three times a week, right. They, they might just put it on and you don't figure out till way to a day on the road that there's, there's a problem between you two. Right. But, yeah. Uh, Traveling was great. We, we went through some stressful situations and she was super solid, especially in Asia. Like she was really good. Yeah. So let's get into that. Let's get into the traveling first. Cause I feel like yeah. that's something that's kind of like a hot topic. People are always interested in that. And especially yeah. with this lockdown, people are itching to get out of Vancouver yeah. uh, or wherever they're from. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying as well, I really like doing this in the morning, dude. I feel a lot better than doing it in the evening. I like this yeah. a lot better, man. I like doing everything in the morning, like working out. I, I hate working out after work. Like I, I like getting up at five thirty and going to the gym. It just and like right now, I'm at my parents' house because we was telling Mark before they hired a Johnny Cash impersonator last night. That was a fun little COVID concert, and uh, everyone's sleeping, so it's just me and you, right? Like I'm just you can just think about whatever you want. No one's invading your bubble. And yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet, man. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening this to. But we're sitting here in the morning drinking coffee together, and it's it's pretty sweet. I like this a lot better than doing it in the afternoon yeah. or evening. But um, let's jump into the traveling thing. Sorry, I got sidetracked there. That's okay. How did you even start to plan this trip? Because you pretty much did it fresh out of university, yeah. right? So I knew I was going to do it when I graduated. Like all through university, I saved up. Uh, I had various strategies, so I wouldn't like impact my social life, but I could still save money. Yeah, and it worked. I saved like quite a bit, like twenty grand. And then with working on while we were traveling, like I was able to fund the whole thing, which was great. So the way I planned it was, I just knew I was going to go. I was going to start in Australia, and I didn't really want to plan from there because I find like when you're traveling, if you make plans, they'll fall apart and you get disappointed. <laughs> like, cause buses don't show up, right? Places close down, that kind of thing. Especially yeah. in Asia. Like if you have a solid plan, where I have to do this, this, and this, or like, I'm going to be upset. You're going to have some problems. You're going to be upset. <laughs> you're going to be upset. 100% <laughs> you will be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So like how, like you started, so like first year of college, you were like, Hey, I'm going to travel when this is all over. Yeah. Well, kind of my, basis for it was when I was in high school, I got into a bit of trouble and um, I basically left all my friends that were getting in trouble and they, they continued, unfortunately, to get in trouble. It was just how I got into mental health, public speaking, but we'll go through that later. Mm. And 
I started out Douglas College, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people that I knew were in university and they all were saying, oh, you're stupid going to Douglas, Dougie daycare, that kind of thing. But I just knew I had my vision. I was going to get from Douglas to SFU and then I was going to travel. And I did everything that I thought. I had this huge spreadsheet in uh, first year of everything I had to do to get there, all the money I had to save, all the classes I had to do, the grades I had to get wow. to transfer. And one by one, just checked them off and uh, ended up, yeah, going, saving up and going traveling. And I met Emily. And we started dating and I told her I was going traveling. And if she wanted to come and we were working out then, like, sure. But if she doesn't want to go, then we should probably break up because I'm going to leave. <laughs> like it was going to happen regardless. I had to do it. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Have you always been so disciplined to like actually plan things out like that? Because that's, that's actually pretty insane. Like the foresight that you had to yeah. like actually start to plan all of that. Yeah. Well, from like 17 onwards. Yes. Um, before then, my high school days, no, not at all. I was kind of all over the place. So that's why I kind of started becoming disciplined. Because if I wasn't disciplined, I would have ended up in the same place where I was, which is not somewhere I wanted to be. So right. I kind of had to, like, the term is, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. And uh, I'd take control and hold myself accountable for what had happened and just move forward. Don't look back. Nice, man. And I, I like feel like it. you've done a similar thing, too. Like, when I met you and we were both 17, we were – completely different people right yeah man thank and, goodness yeah thank goodness yeah, I was, and then while i was traveling every day like we just wake up we had a rough plan of where we wanted to go but uh every day you just wake up okay you want to do this sure let's go oh the bus isn't running cool let's go to the beach like who cares unreal yeah i love that man it's such a it gives you such a sense of presence like you're just like in the moment yeah yeah, one thing that really worked out was um, we had a three-month bus pass on the east coast of Australia, which anyone that goes to the east coast of Australia, you got to get the three-month hop-on, hop-off pass because you can go anywhere on the east coast, up or down. It's like 400 bucks. It was a killer deal. And if we would have had a plan to like do the east coast in three months, we would have ended up in Melbourne, which is at the south end of Australia, at the end of the three months. But along the way, we were at some places where like, yeah, we don't really like it. Let's just keep going. So we kept going and we got to Melbourne with like three weeks left on the pass. And then we discovered that the pass also can get you into the desert, which is super expensive. If you just hire a bus or renting a car, it's very dangerous to drive in the outback. I can get into that if you want, because we did do that. But yep. um, we flew, we decided, okay, we'll just fly to Tasmania, which is the island on the bottom of Australia. Did like a six day road trip, flew back and went to Adelaide. And then we had this time left on the bus pass. So we just ripped up into the desert. And yeah, it was like a 2,000 kilometer bus ride. And we were able to do it all for free. <laughs> so That's insane. Yeah, it was sweet. And that, that just goes to show if you don't plan things, you just go with the flow, you end up having a way better time. Yeah, that's so sick. And so when you say like, uh, it's like super dangerous to drive into the outback if you just have a car, I'm assuming you're talking about like overheating the vehicle. Yeah, like anything. Stranded out there. Yeah, if you're stranded, you're done. Like you have to have a lot. Of, we had a lot of spare water, so we drove actually from Adelaide to Perth, which is five thousand kilometers after the outback right. trip, and we went through portions of the outback. We didn't go deep into it, but uh, yeah, your biggest dangers are the car breaking down. That's huge, especially on roads where there's only like one person passing by a day. Yeah, you don't want to get stuck there. Another thing is once the sun starts to go down, all the kangaroos come out on the road. They like the road because it's warm, and okay. they people get hit them. So like cars aren't even insured past like five o'clock. Like my insurance on the car 
you weren't sure past you weren't allowed on the road past five o'clock on a rental car just because of the kangaroos you see it you see it you see cars with kangaroos in them they're just abandoned in the desert and because it's the desert things don't decay so it's just kangaroos hit everywhere <laughs> and the bus we took it would hit like they wouldn't stop because um the bus had a, it's called a train they're called road trains so they have like semi trucks with like four or five carts on the back like trailers <laughs> they cannot swerve or they're gonna flip and uh our bus had like the mail train. So they, it was a mail train because that's how they got the mail there. It was on the back of the bus. So they couldn't swerve. So this had a huge rammer and just run the kangaroos over. And he hit like hundred of them when we were driving in. It was nuts. Could you feel it? Like could you oh, feel yeah. it when you hit it? Yeah. And I sat up at the front with them and watched and they just go flying because we're going <laughs> like 150 kilometers an hour in this huge, huge machine, right? That's insane. Yeah. That's, that's every terrible. That's terrible. I know it's brutal, but that, that's why it's dangerous to be on the road. And then your last factor is um, <laughs> there are people that live in the desert, like desert people. And it's no joke that um, they'll, if they can get you like, like we, we saw one of them, they had a baby carriage and it said help. And it was someone on the side of the road with a baby yeah. carriage. And it said, it was sign that said help. And there's no baby in there. So like they, what happens is they'll pretend to be injured. Like someone will cut their wrists and be like, Oh, I'm bleeding. And then you'll pull over to help them. And like 30 dudes will jump out of the bush and just take all your stuff. Wow. So that's uh, like highway bandits, man. Yeah, for real. And the advice we got from a police officer and a guy who had actually done this was you just run them over. If they jump out, if someone jumps out in front of your car, you just hit them and keep going and call the police when you're in the next town because they'll jump out in front of your car. So you hit them. And I, we met a guy who actually hit someone that someone did that. And then a huge group of guys was chasing after his car. Wow. Like, like yeah. he hit, like, like, so someone like waits on the side of the road, like an insurance fraud in North America type yeah. of deal. Yeah. Jumps in front of a vehicle, gets hit, hopes that they don't get hit too bad. Yeah. And then expects the driver to stop. And then a bunch of people come out and mug the guy. Yeah. Mug the guy to take everything, your car, and then you get sued for hitting the guy. And I never like saw a video of it happening, but I met it. I met it. I met it. We talked to a cop who said that. And I met a guy who said he actually ran someone over who jumped in front of his car. And he looked pretty rattled when he was talking about it. So I believe him. <laughs> and so, like, did he slow down after and stop? Or he was just, like, he knew what was going on? He knew. On. He, like, he, apparently was, everyone came out of this bush and was coming after him. <laughs> These desert people, man. <laughs> what in the world, man? That's insane. Anyways, yeah, that's why it's not recommended to drive in the Outback. That's, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, needless to say... Uh, Jump on that bus pass. Get that three month yeah. bus pass. So, anyways, what I was saying was by going with the flow, <laughs> you end up having these weird experiences, right? That you would have never had. Like I didn't plan to go into the desert. Yeah, want to learn about the desert people out there, man. Yeah, yeah. And when we were on our road trip, the five thousand kilometer road trip. We didn't have a set place where we wanted to stay. We just pull over to a random beach, and we had a tent on the top of our car. We just pitch it and camp on the beach, and we ended up going faster, just like the East Coast trip. We went up in this super cool beach town for Christmas. And like, I went to a trailer park, and there were all these guys on holidays there. A lot of police officers and nurses and stuff. And it's awesome. Yeah, so anyways, yeah, go with the flow. That's the biggest piece of advice. That's unreal. This is just a random question, but, like, when you were there, did you, like, so you rented a car, but then you just bought a bunch of stuff to use with it? or Yeah, yeah we rented a car that was spray-painted. Well, it was super cheap, piece of crap, and it had a uh, tent on the roof. So we just 
You don't have to pay for any accommodation. You just pitch the tent anywhere on the side bang, of the road. Bang, it doesn't bang. matter. And we'd be up there, yeah, and it was pretty creepy because, like, anyone could come in the tent. We're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> was this, like, a rental company or was this just, like, yeah. some random guy you met at the airport? No, <laughs> no, a rental company. They do this, yeah, called Wicked Campers. I actually wouldn't recommend you use them. It was a pretty crappy car. Oh, yeah? And they're, yeah, we had some problems and they did not help us. But what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough, man. So, so you went – Australia, New Zealand, and then you went to Southeast Asia, you said? Yeah, yeah. So I went to New Zealand. Um, I lived in New Zealand when I was a kid for a bit. We were there. And I always thought uh, being a sheep farmer would be cool. So one of my goals when I was 17 was I'm going to graduate. I'm going to work on a sheep farm. So uh, that's what I did in New Zealand. Worked on a coastal sheep and beef farm, 1,000 acres. That was awesome. And Emily took care of the farmer's kids. So it worked out really well. Unreal, man. And... So how, like, how did you, like, kind of make the transition from country to country? How did you kind of plan out, like, the time frame that you'd be in each one? Like, how did you know it was time to, to move on to the next place? We hit every country on the low season. So we were, <laughs> we hit Australia in the low season because we were on a super budget. That's another fun part about traveling is if you just count every penny, like, you can save so much money and it's so satisfying. I yeah. was, like, the cheapest guy of all time. like. <laughs> It, especially in Asia, like you would not believe how cheap it was for like the four months that we were there. But yeah, so we hit Australia in the low season, went to New Zealand during the summer, which is high season, but worked. So less people work during the high season because they want to travel. Right. New Zealand, so the wages are better. So we right. hit the good wages, um, worked on the farm, sunny every day, except for the last like two weeks when it started to become winter, started raining. So that was fantastic. And the farm was right on a beach. So I just go fishing after work or go and shoot some turkeys, goats, the kind of thing. Unreal. And then um, we left the farm during New Zealand's low season, did a road trip of the South Island, got a super discounted rate on a beautiful camper van, like a luxury one. We decided because we did that crappy car in Australia, we get the luxury uh, sprinter van with all the bells and whistles. Nice. And that was, that was great. And then, uh, yeah, flew to Asia during their low season, which is the rainy season. But it, they ended up having a huge drought, so there wasn't even a lot of rain. So it just everything worked out perfect. Yeah. And so how long were you in Asia for? Like four months, three and a half. And do, which, which like countries did you go to in specific? We did um, – I don't have a map. It's easier with a map. But we did like – went from Thailand, landed in Bangkok, went north Thailand, then into Laos or yeah. Laos, depending on how you want to say it. Went down Laos to uh, Vientiane, which is the capital of Laos. And flew up to Hanoi in Vietnam. Vietnam. Um, yep. Hung out there for a bit. Then we took a train, a sleeper train, which is something I recommend everyone does. It's like 10 bucks, and they get your own cart in the train. Never done that before. And that would cost thousands to do that in Canada. And you get your own bed, and they rip you up north. And there's like a rice village called, uh, I would say rice farming village called Sapa. And we just hired a guy, and he walked us around. We went on a 60-kilometer, four-day trek, which is pretty dope. Wow. And once you get past the touristy part, most people just go for one day and it's just a bunch of people trying to sell you stuff. Right. Once you actually get to the village, it is sweet. Like they live off the grid, man. Like they trade, like you give them money and they'll just go down to Hanoi and buy salt with it so they can trade it up north. Like they it's live just like a barter 2000, system. Yeah, 2,000 years ago. Same, same thing. Wow. So and it's they like... Always, sorry? 
I was going to say, so it's kind of like, just like a completely like, uh, like a modern barter system. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the same system they've always had and the rice. Like they just, the rice doesn't leave there. The people grow the rice and they sell it to people. And some people have Buffalo fishing. Some people build stuff, right? It's, it's, it's awesome. It's like exactly like a, it's free market capital basically in its essence. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's not like, it's not like, Hey, this is worth what we all agree that it's yeah. worth. It's, yeah. this is worth what it is worth to you. Yeah. Like you need rice really bad, Well, you'll trade some more Buffalo, right? So then the Buffalo gets cheaper. Like it's, yeah. it's, it was so sweet. Like I, I loved it and no one spoke English, which I also thought was awesome. Yeah. No one spoke English except for my guide who spoke a tiny bit of English. So we're just right. following this guy. We can't even really talk to him. And he's like, oh, like he can't even explain anything. So we're just walking for eight hours through these villages. And there's just all this stuff going on, crazy construction. Like it was, it was awesome. That's and, insane. Uh, they're Viet Cong. Like they're, uh, they're, 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 they're the far north. So they're still from the war. They were, that's where the Viet Cong came from, up mm. around there. So everyone still wears the army helmets with the VC on it still supporting the communist uh, fighters who freed Vietnam, as they put it. I mean, there's a different history in America, but there they view it as they liberated Vietnam, which they did. So they, um, yeah, everyone's wearing the VC um, helmets, which is crazy to think about. Cause I always heard about that when I was growing up about how bad they were. Right. Yeah. But then you just talk to them. We had, we had one guy who was a teacher and he was able to translate and they, they they're all old. Like they, they just, they were tired of people telling them what to do. The French were there and the Americans were there and they just took it back over for themselves and they won and they're super proud of it. So that was really interesting to see that side of uh, Vietnam. Yeah, it's really, it's really, uh, it's really a funny thing, man, history. We think that like history as we know it is like factual, but. Um, yeah, but their history cuts up lies too. Like, well, it's always perspective. Like everything's yeah. from someone's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, like we went to uh, the prison where John McCain was held, and like he's got he had scars. Like it's well known that they tortured people there. Yeah, they they had photos of him with a turkey smiling. And they're like, look how well we treated John McCain. <laughs> like that's what people think there. They think that they were like giving the Americans turkey. That's what everyone thinks. So history is written by the victor, right? Yeah, yeah. We're just like the person that's there to tell it at the time. It's not always yeah. like. Because Victor is a pretty subjective. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. 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 It's like just whoever's there to tell it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways. Just... Anyways, back to that. We ripped down Vietnam. Uh, went to Cambodia. Ripped up Cambodia up north, and then back into Thailand. If you see a map, you'll see what I mean. But yeah, back into Thailand. Went down to the party islands. You know, we'd done enough culturing, as I'd put it. So we just went to the party islands and partied there. Went to the full moon party. All that stuff. That was fun. Nice. And I went to Malaysia and Singapore and then flew back. So that was, that was the route. That's sick. So for someone that, you know, is like maybe hearing all this stuff and they're like, dude, I want to do this. Like, I don't know how he was able to travel like that. Like, I'm sure they've got like millions and millions of questions. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you'd be fine with them reaching out and asking you. Oh, hundred percent. Like, I've uh, helped a lot of people travel yeah. obviously now the plans are scrapped because of covid but um yeah it's not that hard to save up money to go you just have to there's some techniques i use to save a lot of money yeah and so before we get into something like that like how like this is just like me being curious man like how do you go about like meeting guides in these areas like how do you go about like actually 
like the like the actual nitty gritty of this like like say i arrive in vietnam like you just explained and i'm like i want to find a guide to just show me around different villages but they don't even speak english like how do you go about that well you just google's a good thing so like people will post their thing like oh i did this and people will write reviews and be like oh yeah this guy's good okay let's take him i mean you have to kind of take a chance and you're gonna get ripped off sometimes that's one thing in Asia, especially in Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, where people are – Vietnam people are a little bit wealthier, but Cambodia and Laos, people are pretty poor. Uh, Laos is um, full communist, and they tax basically everything. The wage mm. is like – it's like two bucks a day. Like, it's brutal. So you really have to be able to negotiate and really under, like try to understand, okay, is this guy trying to rip me off? Like, is this too good to be true? Like, mm. am I going to pay him, and he's just not going to show up tomorrow morning <laughs> to guide me around? And yeah. if you do get ripped off, you can't get mad because this guy is just trying to feed his family and he lost 10 bucks. So what? Right. Yeah. So you have to be, it, it really like toughens you, I think to be able to actually like negotiate with people and you just, you just have to take a chance. That's basically it. You have to understand these people, they, they want your business because tourism pays way more than whatever they're doing. That's why they're doing tourism. That little bit of English they learned that increases their earning power significantly. So People, people, lots of people do genuinely want to help. So we, we found people on Google, like Google reviews. We did, we did some things with companies, like allow went zip lining. Obviously, I'm not going on a random person's zip line in the jungle. Like I'm making sure it's a vetted company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't snap. And uh, yeah, some guys we met, like we just pay him half at night, and then he'd meet us, meet us somewhere at five in the morning, take us out on his boat, and we'd rip to like a market or whatever, a river market, and then we'd pay him the rest later buy him breakfast or whatever in the market and that was how we did that so it just depends that's cool man that's so sick man that makes me want to travel i i've you always should. like uh i've always wanted to do something like that man but i've always felt like like one of my reserves for it is like i feel like if i leave and go and do something like that for a few months then i'm gonna be like not set back but almost stagnant in the other goals that i have or the other things that i want to work on did you ever feel like that a little bit but you know you get over it i mean yeah. it was rough coming back and then i was trying to transition to development and obviously people are skeptical to give me a chance because i'm some random guy who one left after after um university so is he gonna leave again that was the question i got like were you gonna leave again six months What's yeah. the move? right so <laughs> and you're like no nah, it's out of my system i'm good yeah but yeah so it's it, it is it does it did hold me back a little bit like in terms of the opportunity i could have but what would i've really been doing over those 14 months i would have been interning in, or starting some geoscience career and something i didn't even want to do so mm -hmm. i mean i i don't really care and if, if, if you're so concerned about that, like either, like obviously you just have to get over it. There's nothing you can really do to uh, kind of push it down. Just, just, just do it. You got to think about what you're doing right now. Okay. Can you come back to it? Right. You do construction. Probably you can. Yeah. So just hop on a plane and go. Yeah. I like that, man. I like that. Maybe if your YouTube shoots off and you can make some cash while you're living in Vietnam, you might actually be able to earn more money because your living costs would be so low. Dude, that'd be unreal. That'd be absolutely unreal. If I could work remote, that would be pretty sweet. That's what sure. a lot of tech guys do. Uh, <laughs> software developers, met a lot of them that live in Vietnam. Because it's just so cheap to live there, eh? It's like, it's like $3 a night. I mean, you can get a nice apartment Airbnb for like 10 bucks. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. 
So you're, you're not just living, like you're, you're not surviving rather. You're just, you're living and you're going out to the market every night. Like you work during the day, eight hours and go out to the market and like go to the clubs and it's just a party. That's <laughs> so, so sick, man. I know. I've met some really cool people that do that. That's yeah. really cool, man. I, I don't think I could do it permanently though, because like you, I don't know if like, that's something like, I kind of like having a foundation beneath yeah. me. I like having like, kind of like family and friends around me, close circle. I'm a big community guy, so I need yeah. to have my community around me. You create a community there though. If you take like, especially in Asia. You're saying all the right things, man. If you, if you take a, if you take a route, like common route was the route we took. It's like a very line, right? It's, it's a straight line basically. Mm. Well, it's not straight, but you're hitting everywhere. So we met people that we'd see. Oh, I saw you in Laos. Now you're in Hanoi at this club. Oh, cool, dude. How's it going? Unreal, man. Right? And we actually ended up traveling with a girl because we were in Laos and we were in a hotel together. And her room, she got attacked. She was beside us. And uh, some dude broke into her room. He's actually the owner of the hotel. What? Another tip. Bring your own lock. Don't ever trust those locks because they have the key to them. So they'll come in your room at night. And obviously, he passed our room because I was in there. Right, I'm yeah. six foot three, and people in Laos are pretty small. <laughs> like this guy's like five feet tall. Yeah. So he's not coming in our room, but he he broke into her room, yeah, and, and took all a bunch of money, and then hopped in bed with her and tried to sexually assault her. And she uh, he picked the wrong girl. She threw him out. And then um, wow. Yeah. So like then we're like, okay, well you're doing the same route as us. Just come travel with us. She's like, cool. So then there was three of us. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Yeah, so it's just you make you make your own community, man. At all these hostels, like there are people. If, if you're an Australian, there's people working on a farm. They're gonna be there for six months. So it's just a big group of people. Yeah, and that's sick, man. Yeah, so it's you're slowly convincing me, dude. I swear to God, the second well, when COVID's done, dude, over. let's go to Vietnam. I'll go with you for a bit, show you the ropes, then you can go off on your own. How about that, dude? If you're down, I'm down. Uh, I am. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely going. Like I'm, I'm going back to Vietnam 100%. Okay, this is something we're going to have to connect with and actually plan out the schematics. Yeah, we'll, of. we'll uh, talk about it later. I Anyways. love that, man. Let's, yeah. let's jump to it. Let's, uh, that's, uh, dude, that's unreal. I'm happy. That's traveling in a nutshell. Yeah, so if anyone wants to talk to Alex about that, I'm going to link his like, social media and stuff. So if you, if you want yeah. to message him and ask him about that, because I know I will, yeah. uh, feel free to. I'm sure, Alex, you're a pretty open guy. I'm sure you have. Oh, yeah. Free. And one more thing, like it just – the way I travel might not be the way you want to travel. So the advice I give you, you might think like, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. Because I, I like roughing it. I like uh, finding the cheapest option possible. And some people, they want to spend an extra couple bucks and say somewhere nicer, which is totally fine too. You post it on your Instagram story, nice infinity pool, right? So that wasn't me though. I was in, uh, I was in the slums, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I'd be happy with either one, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 100%. Anyone can reach out to me. It was a great, now, great experience. Now let's get into going into like public speaking because that is something that I feel like another thing that, you know, people always want to do something that is a little bit out of the norm yeah. is, is, is like a self-employed kind of feeling, I suppose, or I guess it's just like not their typical nine to five type of activity to do. Yeah. So like, how did you even get into public speaking? Like what made you interested in it? Well, this is another thing where like, you just have to do, if you think you want to do something, just keep hitting the phones and see if you can make something work. 
because I have a, so basically how I got into it was, um, I had some issues growing up, right? In high school, got into some trouble. You probably know about it. Had a pretty crappy reputation. I mean, just, just stupid stuff. I mean, it wasn't, I never did anything really bad, but when I was 16, um, got into trouble, got, uh, got into trouble with the police and basically decided then like, okay, this isn't going to work. This is, this is really stupid. Like, what am I doing? I have great parents, right? They're together grew up in a wealthy neighborhood like this is just not gonna be a good idea so I kind of pivoted off that um it was pretty hard because I was really behind like my grades in high school were just garbage had to go to Douglas College and like redo grade 12 and um so I redid grade 12 and then did four years of uni and graduated and a lot of people take actually take five years to do uni so I was caught right up with everyone which is good but um so one thing that I was really frustrated with was this fentanyl crisis, right? So in 2012, this is the first time I heard about fentanyl because um, the guy that I know's cousin got busted selling fentanyl. And this is when I, was, I had um, gotten out of everything. I wasn't, I wasn't involved in fentanyl trade, by the way, just a disclaimer. I wasn't involved in like, the heavy drug trade. Like that was not what I was doing. I just, people have relatives or you hear about things, right? Yeah, yeah. And they said, there's this thing called fentanyl. And it's like, it's going to be like heroin times 100. It's going to mm-hmm. change the game and it's so cheap to get. And he was telling me about it and I was like, geez, like that's, I'm glad that that's really bad. Like I knew, I knew something bad was going to happen. And then lo and behold, man, like 2013, 2014, all these guys used to hang out with, like they start overdosing and dying and it's just, it gets and then they die. So then their friends get depressed and then suicides, that kind of thing. So I was probably like 19, super frustrated, super mad. And I just didn't know like how to deal with it internally. I was just, I was struggling with it. Cause it was, it was so, it's so makes you so angry. Right. Mm-hmm. That like people like now I realize like people take drugs cause they have problems and they're trying to like eliminate the problem in their life. And the fact there's poison in them. It's just, it was so bad. So like I even went as far as like thinking about like, Oh, go school. I'll go after some dealers that are selling this fentanyl. Right. Like I'll, I'll go get them like kind of vigilante. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard about people that were doing that, but I'll obviously I didn't hop on that train because that's just like plugging one hole. <laughs> like if you get one guy or arrest one, it's the same thing as arresting him. If you get one guy, then another guy's going to pop up because there's so much money to be made that you cannot stop it. So you got to go to the source of why people do drugs. And I had a unique insight because I had, I was never a drug addict, but I, I have this kind of brain where I take in information from everywhere. So I, I kind of know the industry. I know, I know how it works. And I just saw, I just saw what happened to people and people were, people were depressed. They're using drugs and they die. So I reached out to this counselor that I had when I was in high school who really helped me uh, pivot my life. And I just said like on LinkedIn, I was like, Hey, thanks for uh, like helping me pivot. You know, you made a lot, you made a huge difference, which is great for her, right? It's great for her to hear that she made a difference in my life. Mm-hmm. I said, Can you coffee and catch up. She's like, sure. And we caught up and I just asked if there's anything going on where I can help out because I'm just frustrated what's going on. And I think that um, if I can, you know, just talk to kids or anything to like, just tell them like, you know, like gain skills to deal with their problems that don't involve doing lines of Coke. Right. Or mm-hmm. like how to numb yourself out like that. And then one thing led to another and I was speaking in front of doctors. That was the first one I did just about, I don't know my experience and like how they can like help someone that comes in that's um, having some problems, like kind of encourage them to get on the right path. And then people heard me talk and they, apparently I was good at it. 
And I made tons of jokes, like not inappropriate jokes, but it's, it's a heavy subject. So I like to keep it kind of light or else it just gets depressing and people start crying. Right. It's just, that's not a good time. No one wants yeah. to go to a seminar or like a, a talk and just hear about a bunch of depressing stuff, which is one of the things that I found that was a, an issue in that industry of public speaking. It's just super, super heavy. Yeah. And even if people want to make a difference, like hearing that kind of stuff, it kind of turns you off almost because it's so bad. Yeah, it just triggers negative emotions. And yeah, then kind you of... want to trigger positive emotions. Like you want to say, okay, this is what's happening right now, but here's how you can make a difference, right? Yeah. Here's, right? here's the amount of lives you can change. Here's the yeah. amount of like impact, yeah. how, how much impact you can have. So, yeah, so that, that's one thing. Impact is what I use. That's actually my main tool to get people fired up about it. As I say, if you... Let's say you got a kid in your class, like this is an example for teachers. The teacher was saying like, well, we were, out, we were under, under resourced, right? That's a huge uh, complaint with teachers. They don't have enough resources to people in the class. How are they supposed to make a difference in some kid's life? And I said, you don't have to do anything. You just have to just ask them what's going on. Like I said, just when he's acting like an idiot, instead of saying like, you're an idiot in front of the whole class, which teachers do because it's frustrating. Yeah. You can pull them aside and say, hey, buddy, like what's actually going on? Like, are you feeling okay? Like a teacher did that to me one time. I, he got me suspended because uh, I didn't want to take off my hat and I threw a big tantrum in his class, right? And he felt bad that I got suspended because he knew like there's something else going on. This kid is not like, it's not normal behavior to be acting like that. So he yeah. pulled me aside and he was like, what's going on, man? Like, how are you feeling? Like, what's anything going on at home? And the fact that someone like talking like that, it was really nice. So I could always go to him if I had some issues. And he actually, it's a big part of me getting my stuff back on track and actually graduating high school on time. I see. But, so the way I put it with impact is let's say, let's use you as an example. And this is nothing you've ever done. I hope. So don't take offense to it. Let's, let's say see. that you're, let's say <laughs> that you're uh, like 15 years old. Um, you come from a bad house where you don't have a lot of food in your house. Your parents are, maybe your dad's locked up. Mom's uh, using drugs. Maybe she's like prostitute or something. Yeah. These are people that live in the community, man. And they go to school with, me who has perfect family so that just adds on the pressure of like god like i wish i was right like that yeah right so it's it's depressing so he gets comes home starts smoking pot right starts maybe doing mdma lines of coke like just to get over the feeling but that stuff costs money how's he how's a 15 year old with no guidance going to get money well he's going to commit crimes you'll uh you'll you'll go out like rob a car not rather not steal a car but you like break into it take some change Oh, that worked. I got three bucks. Okay. Do another one, another one, another one. And eventually you're making like 300 bucks a night, smashing people's windows and cars. So imagine if you can fix that kid, not sorry, fix is a bad word. Be careful with the terminology, but if you can get that kid on the right path and show him, okay. Um, teach him how to not use drugs, teach him coping mechanisms, get him motivated, you know, maybe get him some skills like work at a restaurant or something. And you'll see like, he'll be a dishwasher. And then once he learns how to cut the food, good, he could be a prep cook. And you get like a $2 pay raise and you can see like, as you acquire skills, your wage goes up and then your seniority goes up and then your life just gets better. And then you have like positive emotions, right? So imagine if you can get that kid on the right path, how many cars are going to save? Like how pissed off would you be if someone smashed your window and took your phone out of your car? It'd ruin your whole week. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if you're, someone's doing that every single night, how many weeks that guy's going to ruin? And then they're going to take it out on their family at home. It's a big web. So if you can yeah. save one person, you've saved a thousand people's weeks from getting ruined at a minimum. That's just with cars getting broken into if the kids break into cars. 
that's not even including like them selling drugs to other kids, getting other kids into drugs. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just that that's how I look at it. Yeah. With impact. So anyways, back to how I, um, how I got started. So I just started doing them. People would be like, Hey, come do this one. Okay. Oh, I have this idea. Come join this collaborative or initiative. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I would start reaching out to people and asking them if they want me to tag on. And I ended up doing, working on some pretty cool projects. And, um, once again, because of COVID that kind of fell apart because you can't really fill a theater up. <laughs> can't anymore. gather. Yeah. We can't gather. And I don't do it for the money. So I don't want to do it over zoom because I still, it's not the same experience talking to a computer. You know, yeah. I want to be able to see people's emotions actually engage with them. So I've been kind of quiet on it lately. Yeah. Cause I guess that there's still people doing stuff like that. They just host massive zoom calls. Yeah, it's good. I mean, there's pros and cons to every industry, right? Found some, like that people pay a lot of money cause it's government funded. So there's a few people right. that just want to get paid. Right. And people do want to make a difference and you can't over zoom. It's just not for me. I, I don't want someone to pay me to like yeah. talk to a computer. It's just not what I want to do. Yeah. Use my time. I don't think. I feel like you get it. You get people like that in every single industry. I feel like. Yeah. So there's people that show up and they just want to get paid and they've either fallen into that place because it was just like an easy route for them. Maybe yeah. their family or their friends do it. Or maybe they thought that if they were to do that job, they would just make a lot or be looked at differently. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of people that actually like don't really care about what they're doing. Oh yeah. Well you look at like charities, like there's good charities, obviously bad charities, even like religion, like those, I don't know. I'm not religious, but those guys, like what are they called? Televangelists. Televangelists. Yeah. That like just makes like 600 million bucks. Got like jets. It's that guy who won't fly in economy class because demons are there or something. I think that guy's obviously taking advantage of everybody, and that's just brutal. Yeah. But anyways, that's, I don't like to focus on that part. Like, I, 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 don't like, I find myself getting bogged down sometimes with that stuff, so I just don't even think about it. I just do what I'm doing, do my thing. You know, I'm making a difference, make a little bit of money on the side, right? And that's all I really want to do. Yeah, I like that, man. I like that. And so, like, your kind of mantra, like, the whole thing I've kind of gotten out of like what you talk about and you've even said this to me before in the past is like in terms of like the traveling, the public speaking, and then like the career shift that you've done, like changing from, you know, something more like geology into something that you're doing now, which is like kind of real estate development. Yeah. It, it, your whole like mantra or the energy behind like what you do, it seems to be is if you want to do something, just go and do it. Like nobody's stopping you from getting what you're looking for. Yeah. And you can't just, you have to understand that you can't just like do what exactly what you want to do. Like I'd love to manage a development of a massive condo. That'd be sweet. Right. It's Mm -hmm. good money. You get to build people's houses. It's all budgeting. I love budget. I love the whole game of negotiating with all the contractors. Like I think that's awesome. Yeah. uh, But I can't just go do that. I have to start at the bottom, learn it. Or else, if, I, if you put me in charge of a condo right now, the condo's going to fall over, right? It's not going to go up because I have no idea what to do. So my thing is, yeah, you, t- you talk to people what they want to talk about. And then you take little tidbits of that and you figure out, okay, do I want to do this? Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Okay, what, 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 you say, what do you look for in someone that you want to hire? They say, okay, I want someone with a diploma of urban land economics. I said that from a couple people. Mm. Okay, I apply to the program, get in. Okay, I got to work, right? I got to start doing courses now. And I'm learning some stuff with the courses and because I'm doing the courses, then more people want to talk to me. Right. right. 
And then when you get hired somewhere, you take a skill that you have from somewhere else and you, if you can apply it to that job and discover a problem that they have and then have the solution because you know something they don't, then you're valuable and uh, they might keep you around. And then you get to learn what you want to learn. Right? Sick, man. That's sick. Yeah. Yo, Alex, I'm going to pause this really quick because I have to pee. You know how 75 hard is, man. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, just one sec. <laughs> That's okay. Did you pause? This is interesting, man. So I've never actually gotten the opportunity to talk about this with someone like, like this. Like, I'll do it on a personal level, but not like where other people are going to watch. So yeah, well. Bring my thoughts, right? It's, it's cool because, like, jumping into – so, like, when you jump into the new job that you're in now, right? Yeah. And you get to start applying all the skills from all the places that you're in. I think now it sounds like you're kind of in a position to start to help other people do the same thing. I could. I want to make sure though I'm I'm more in the industry. I can't I'm I can't just like be an intern like start trying to show everyone what to do. That's what sorry, that's one of my that's one of my pet peeves with a lot of people like on LinkedIn and influencers and stuff. It's like we're all twenty four. What do we know? Like I know I know you can motivate and like code call but yeah uh, my, my strategy to get in and learn things and do what you're not comfortable with is good but i want to wait a couple of years to make sure i actually love it before i uh, start helping other people out right put your yeah. secure your own mask before assisting others yeah yeah no no kidding but i mean it's not even in industry specific right like yeah. i just feel like the act of like you have a kind of knack for just where other people would kind of see an opportunity and then think about it, you just kind of jump in on it. Yeah, you jump in, and if you don't like it, you can just leave, right? Like yeah. I've uh, I've gone for coffee with people that work at companies, and I'm just like, oh my god, right? This is not where I want to work. I don't want to be like that. Okay, but it's not a yeah. waste of time. I mean, there's just different people everywhere, and if I yeah. didn't like the industry, I would have known instead of applying to jobs, going to interviews, and getting a job, and then being like, oh, I hate it. Or at least I kind of know, okay, there's a good chance I'm going to like this. I like the energy of these people, right? They're all, it's very intense. Yeah. Very, uh, like, it's, it, the, where I work right now, it's, it's laid back but intense, right? No one takes themselves too seriously from what I've seen. But, like, it's game on when if something goes wrong with one of the developments, like, it's like they snap like this and boom, they're right into it. And they're figuring out what the problem is and putting out the fire. Yeah. Not real fire, but. Yeah. <laughs> They're not firefighters. No, no. There's no fires on the sites as far as yeah. I know. That's so, good. yeah. So for someone that, you know, like wants to go and travel or maybe they want to get into public speaking or maybe they want to do like a huge pivot in their career, but they yeah. just, with, with any of those things, they just kind of feel like, well, I can't really do it because I don't want to leave my family or I can't really do it because I'm scared of losing this opportunity or yeah. whatever it is. Like, what would you kind of say to them? Well, those are very real uh, emotions that people face, right? So it's always scary to do something different, no matter what it is. And it can be painful too. Mm -hmm. Think about if you want to, if you don't run and you want to run a marathon, it's going to be painful to get there. It's going to be horrible. Right. But then once you can run the marathon, run 30 K is easy. So it's yeah. all about like, like David Goggins, you know, you, you watch him. Oh yeah. Now I like David, but I've told you before those like super hyper, like you gotta do it. Like I, I don't, I don't like living my life like that. <laughs> but you can take little bits and pieces from it. And what I like what he says is you gotta always raise your comfort level. 
Mm-hmm. You, but your comfort level can also lower too. So like, here's an example. Like if I was talking to someone I worked with the other day and I said, like, if I woke up one day and I had to do your job, I would like shit my pants, right? I'd be, I, I'd, I'd blow it. I have no idea what to do and I just blow it. But you wake up every day and that's your job. This is what you do. It's easy for you. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously hard parts with the job. You get to work and you're, okay, I know exactly what I need to do. And to get there, this guy had to work like 15 years to learn everything. So he's always raising his comfort level, right? And then, so if I'm, if I'm comfortable right now, okay, I want to get somewhere where I'm a little bit anxious where it's hard where I'm learning. Because once I get there, then where I am right now is just like easy. You can do it in your sleep. And then where I thought like I couldn't do before, that's like my everyday. And then you keep raising the bar. Just like if you're working out, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't bench. I don't think you can bench four plates on the bench. Nope. But if you wanted to and you really stuck to it, you probably could. And then where you're at right now, you do for a freaking warm-up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. Yeah. I saw this. I, I remember thinking about that. I saw this guy on uh, YouTube. He's called like, the, the Hulk or something. Camera on the YouTuber that had him on. C.T. Fletcher, I think his name is. That's the workout guy. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who – I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about, man. Yeah. Yeah, the Hulk does 405 for a warm-up. That's his warm-up, 405 on the bench. He's just pumping him out. Right? And I was thinking, man, like that guy probably started only being able to do one plate. And now he's doing 405 for a warm-up. Obviously, he's on roids. But the fact is that he built his comfort level. Even though that's not comfort, that's like physical level, up to a point where, where he was before is so easy he doesn't even do it. Yeah, he doesn't even have to think about it. He doesn't even have to think about it. So that's how I think about things. Right? I, I want to be somewhere, but you can't just do it. You have to build up your comfort level to where you know exactly what to do, and that becomes your day-to-day. And then once you're there, you want to keep going. Yeah. And so if you want to pivot careers, it's going to be scary, but eventually you're going to figure it out, right? If you, if, you work, if you work hard at anything, you'll be able to figure it out. You might not be able to become a millionaire, but you, you'll be able to figure out exactly what's going on. So the first step is to talk to people in the industry and just ask them about it. Don't ask them for a job. Just ask them about their life. Like, what were you doing when you were my age? And you hear some hilarious stories, right? Some mm-hmm. of them weren't doing anything. And yeah. they decide at 30, okay, I want to do this now. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm only 24. So I have, I'm six years ahead of this guy. And look where he is now. I can get there, I yeah. think, right? So yeah. that's, that, that's how I look at it. And it's... It just has to do with anxiety, man. And people, you get nervous, but you got to think like most people want to help you. If they're willing to meet up with you, they're not going to tell you you're an idiot, right? Yeah, they're not going to mislead you at that. Well, some people might, but yeah. you got to be careful. There are those people out there. But if you want to go traveling, talk to people who have traveled and maybe plan a small trip first, maybe like a two week trip, maybe like a road trip, somewhere where you're uncomfortable. You're not staying at the Fairmont. You're not posting Instagram stories in Mexico, right? Getting drunk. Like somewhere where it's like, okay, you're roughing a little bit and where things can go wrong. Maybe you get a flat tire, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, then you can jump right into a backpacking trip. It's not as scary as it thinks. Well, all these countries are, their, their transportation systems are all geared towards tourists. It's such a big industry that it's, it's easier than you think to get around and to book places. That makes sense. Like a lot of these places, their economies are literally based on people, you know, yeah. going over and visiting. Yeah, Australia, the East Coast, right there. The whole grid is based around traveling. That's the whole crazy, grid up man. and down, yeah. 
So what, what Emily and I, what Emily and I did, because Emily had never done any traveling in her life when she gets anxious about stuff, it is scary, right? Going to new places and mm -hmm. not knowing what's going to happen. If you break your leg, like where you go, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we started in Australia and New Zealand, which I would call like easy countries because they're, their whole industry, it's, it's very, you just get on a bus and go here. And there's three hostels. Okay, stay at that one. You know it's going to be good. They're not going to have any real problems. Right. And then once you, she's comfortable doing that, then Asia's not that big of a leap up. Yeah. And that, that was kind of why we started. And like if I started on my own, I probably would have started in Asia. And then right? ended off with Australia. Probably ended off in Australia, yeah. I wanted to start in Asia because I just was dying to go there. But – it was good. It was good. So, what, yeah, that's the same philosophy. You raise your comfort level. You know, you can sit on a bus and go to a town and stay at a hostel that you haven't read any reviews about. That's one step because that is scary. You don't know what's going to be in there. There's going to be bed yeah. bugs, right? And then you're good at that. Okay. Then you work on a random farm with random people that you met over the internet. That's another scary step, right? Yeah. And then, okay, now you can go to Asia and get on a, a bus that's, like, packed full of people, and uh, you don't know where it's going to stop. They might not take you where you want to go. And then you got to take a cab back and the cab driver might rip you off. There's nothing you can do about it. And yeah, you just kind of have to, you're like, Hey, this is still the opportunity to get where I need to go. Yeah. It literally you have to get where you need to go. So you can't tell the cab driver, no, I'm not paying you. Cause he almost boots you out of the car. <laughs> you're stuck yeah. on the road. Right. And we had some hilarious, hilarious things happen, man. Let's just have to bribe like border guards, that kind of thing. So, wow. Yeah. Insane. Well, so, <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. I guess they have control. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah, well, they call it the express fee. And if you don't pay the express fee, they just won't stamp your passport. It's awesome. I kind of liked it. I was like, yeah, you guys go. They have their big gold chains on. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Here's a couple bucks. Like, good on you. You're like, that's funny. I kind of like it. Yeah, well, in their economy, right? They have so little money that, of course, if you can take money from a white guy, white guy yeah. from Canada yeah it's like come on oh. it's a slam dunk <laughs> it's a slam dunk <laughs> that's too funny man yeah with uh with like traveling public speaking like kind of pivoting your career like what what do you think was like the biggest like um not failure but biggest setback was there any moment where you kind of were like oh. damn i don't know if i can do this that was definitely with the career because of covid and um, my lack of education you know because i didn't have a business background so it's just, I got really frustrated here and like, well, you don't have a business background, right? Like where, why don't you go to, some people say like, why don't you go to business school? Like, I don't know. I was 17 and I wanted to live in a tent and mine rocks. Like, yeah. Right. So that was, it was, it was frustrating, but you gotta, you gotta remember where you want to be. I always came home and I had it written down where I want to be. And you just relax. If you had a bad day, cold calling or whatever, things aren't working out. Someone cancels coffee on you. I had an interview somewhere. It looked like I was going to get hired. And then COVID hit, position gets scrapped. Guy who interviewed me, laid off. So, right? So, you, it's, it was very frustrating with COVID. And, I mean, when you come over, you can talk to Emily about, like, I was very stressed out a couple of times. Like, it's just, it's hard, right? And I was expecting to work. So, like, money's starting to get tight because I just come back from traveling. Yeah. And I, don't, I didn't want to live at home. My, my parents, so we had our apartment. And it was stressful, but you got to do what you got to do. So, I started landscaping, doing anything to make some money just to, keep keep afloat until i got into somewhere so right. the the hardest part is just getting rejected constantly but you got to remember from other people's perspective why would you hire someone with no experience yeah 
you're running a business and if you screw up, the consequences are huge. Like these developments, unless it's a massive company, if they screw up one, they're done, right? The whole company's done. Everything you've ever worked for, gone. Gone. So, so why would you as a business person hire someone who has a geoscience degree and just came back from a 14-month backpacking trip, right? So you have to remember that from their side. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's uh, very industry sensitive and very like position sensitive. Because mm -hmm. like, the only time I was ever in a hiring position, I was managing a gym, bro. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a history, like, like history really mattered that much. Yeah. Because it's it was like, attitude. yeah, it was like, well, is this person willing to learn how we operate? That's pretty much like where yeah. the requirements were. Yeah. It's like, do they have a cool attitude? I think they'll get along with the team. And are they willing to learn what we're doing right now? Yeah, that's um, where I work right now. That's, that's their philosophy. Right there, like, just learn as much as you can right now. That's and have fun, do. right? Because yeah, it's like, dude, I, have, I have to spend, like, well, like, that was, like, what I, I kind of, like, was looking for in my interviews. It's like, dude, I have to spend, you know, probably, like, I'm going to be here 50, 60, 70 hours a week sometimes. And, like, this person is going to be here probably 20, 30. So, like, that's a third of my time. Yeah. That's right? No. Yeah, you, you see that yeah. person more than you see your family. Yeah. So like, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time with this person and I want to have like positive engagement, right? Like I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to minimize the negative uh, interactions that I have in a day. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of all I had to look yeah. for. It's, yeah. Well, in entry level positions where I'm working, right. But entry level positions weren't popping up back then because the economy was in a rough spot. Mm -hmm. So even people who were veterans were getting laid off, right? Yeah. Absolutely brutal. Like I felt horrible for some people that I just that I knew that had been laid off. That's yeah. so bad because of some virus, right? That they have no control. They didn't do anything wrong. They just not even Beast Canada didn't even do anything wrong. No one did anything wrong. This thing just got out of control, and it happens from time to time. And we all know it happens, but I guess we just weren't prepared for it because you just think, ah, it's not gonna happen, right? So yeah, yeah that's just. Yeah, you, when you're in an entry-level position, you want to click with the people you're working with. And I think that is a big part. Um, at my job, everyone clicks really well. Like, like I said, laid back until you need to be turned on. So unless there's a meeting on, like, you just shoot the shit, make jokes, that kind of thing. And it's, 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 they have fun. They have fun. And I, I have fun, too, even though I'm not, like, in the click yet. Right? I'm not in the group because I'm just, I'm just the intern. But I can see that they have a lot of fun. And then, Alex the intern, eh? Yeah. Is that how they call you? No. <laughs> one guy, one guy, I won't say, he, he didn't work there, but he was a consultant. Uh, he, uh, he said that, oh, we call interns idiots, like right in front of me. And I was like, oh, cool, man, thanks. <laughs> You're like, wicked, dude, sweet, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you have that attitude. I'll remember you. Yeah. <laughs> we call interns idiots. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, okay. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. If I'm ever in a position where I'm going to hire you, I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so funny. But yeah, yeah no, it's, it's been, it, it, it's, it's a good vibe. And, um, and the most important thing that I found with working there was I just find a problem they have and to see if I can solve it. And I pitched a problem that I thought that they had and they, they want me to solve it. So now I get to learn so much more, right? and then use the skills that I already have to benefit them. So it's mutually beneficial for everyone. 
that's gutty, man. That's pretty gutty to start uh, pitching like an issue with a company that you just started interning for. That's uh, that's how I roll, man. But it's uh, it it, it can go up. I knew it could it could be good or bad. Sometimes when people are like they're really stuck in their ways and they don't want some new guy telling them what to do. It can yeah. go horrible. But that's where the public speaking comes into play. Where that experience, all this experience that I've had doing other stuff, I know how to frame it in a way that's not like intrusive. Like, no, you're not doing something wrong, but like. There's just always ways to improve everything. And you talk about the positives about what they're doing first. And then you say, okay, this is, this isn't working as well. What I've noticed, this isn't working as well. And this is how we can fix it to make it better. Yeah. You're on board. Sure. <laughs> right. So unreal. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about, uh, like when you worked at Nash, would people ever come to you with problems that you, that they thought they could solve or is that not really the, you guys were sales right yes and no at nash we had um we had some pretty rigid guidelines in terms of like what we would do on a daily basis in terms okay. of like entry level sales and uh it was kind of explained as like a, a foolproof a foolproof way of doing the job and it was uh, like a quantity of cold calls you had to do every day, a quantity of emails, yeah, okay. a quantity of uh, how many appointments you should book out of those contacts. Okay. And then also like a quantity of referrals that you had to get every single day. It was like an acronym that you had to fill. Yeah. And um, it was pretty cut and dry. It was very like... Uh, it was very black and white. It was very easy to understand. You either you do it or you don't. And then if you were having troubles in your business, that was the first thing that the company would look at is, are you yeah. hitting that criteria? And there was a lot of people that thought they could cheat the system and they didn't have yeah, to yeah. do X amount of phone calls. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know what? In 2019, you don't have to do phone calls. Nobody picks up their phones. You can just text them or message them on Instagram. And, Fair enough, you can do that, but when you're 45 or 50 year old or an older boss, maybe doesn't really like it's not like they don't understand the technology, but they've seen that cold calling can gain results for yeah. for decades. It's going to be hard to convince them that you've cracked the code, right? Like yeah. we, our our president even used to say, like I remember when we would have meetings when I was when I first got into management. I think it was the very first meeting I met up with all the other managers. Yeah. Um, and he basically explained it like this. He said, if I gave you the perfect blueberry pie recipe and it made the best blueberry pie every single time, like it was like you like lost track of time while you're eating it. You forget okay. about all your problems. Sounds it's the good. best blueberry pie. You Would you try and alter that recipe? That's like kind of the, the mentality that he had about the system we were using. Yeah. Well, they were a massive corporation, right? So the fact that like someone couldn't just switch something, some, uh, they, they've obviously paid people tons of money to figure that out, like experts in streamlining and. Yeah. Well, and there was times even where we were adaptable as a company. There would be times where, you know, I, I worked at one of the locations out of like, there was like 21 gyms when I was working there. And there was two yeah. locations that tested out a new CRM. And uh, so there was times where we kind of had our system challenged. Okay. But it was, uh, you know what? Every time we tried a new system, I actually preferred the original method. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because they had experts that made it, right? Those, they probably hired some smart dudes who just knew 
Well, and I just was kind of used to it. I was there for three and a half years. So after like a few months, it just became autopilot for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Also, because I came in, like I came into the job kind of similar to you are talking about your job. I came into the sales position with absolutely zero sales background. Like closest thing I could relate to it was I worked in a restaurant. And so I had to deal with people there. But I told my boss in the interview, I said, I don't care. I'm I just like kind of in between jobs right now and I'll do whatever you guys want Perfect. to work in the gym because I I just I was in a rough spot in my life at the time and being in the gym was the only place I found like happiness or at least like a little bit of peace with myself. So Yeah, okay. So I just wanted to be in the gym. I told them I was like, I'll do whatever job you want. And they were like, Could you do sales? You're kind of charismatic. And I was like, never done it, but I'll do whatever you guys tell me to do. That's exactly the attitude you need, right? Just be a yes man for a bit, hammer the phones and you get good at it. And then they, they figure out you're good at it and you're a manager all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, I remember dude, the first time we had like a, a big promotion, everyone got like a bunch of lists of people that, you know, they had put on like seven day passes in the past yeah. or people that had reached out to them. They had like interest lists. Yeah. So when they got a promotion, they could call those people and say, Hey, you know what we have? you know, a $0 joining fee right now, whatever yeah. it was, X amount of personal training sessions you can get. And they would try and get them to come back in, entice them to come back in. And I didn't have a list. Like I didn't have anyone built up. I had just started. Yeah. So like, I was like, who do I get to call? Who should I call? And uh, my boss, she was like real, real strong, like woman, she alpha woman. She like kind of like laughed about it. And she gave me a fat stack of papers, like a big stack of papers. And she, it was just like a bunch of like, it was like name, phone number and dates. And I was like, what are the dates here? And she's like, Oh, that's when they canceled their membership. And I was like, and I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, this is a list of people that just canceled in the last like two years. I want you to call them and just ask them why they canceled and see where the conversation goes. Okay. That's good. And so that's kind of where I, I kind of like learned that ability was just like how to spark up a conversation, how to just like kind of get someone talking to you in a positive way or hear their negative story and try and give them some sort of positive perspective. Cause I would call people, man, and they would either scream at me, swear at me, yell at me. Like, nice. yeah. you know, living in Vancouver, how many times have you been called by Steve Nash? Dude, I worked there and I was still getting calls from other locations sometimes. Yeah, I know. Steve Nash was annoying. When I, used, when I quit there, uh, when I moved out of South Surrey, like when I was 17, they called me all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But you got to be persistent, right? And did you find the longer you get someone on the phone, the more likely it was that they'd come back? If you yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. Sometimes if there was enough conviction behind them, I wouldn't need to have a long phone call. Like it would just be like, yeah, I'm coming in today. And they would just be there. And then it would be like quick, easy kind of deal. Sometimes people just wanted to complain because they'd get free things. Sometimes people just wanted to complain because they have no one else to talk to. So if you got them on the phone, they'll happily chat your ear off for 45 minutes, just complaining about random things. Nice. That's when I worked at the city. During summers at uni, I always people would always complain to me about stuff that had nothing to do with what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. I'd call them and ask them why they canceled their gym membership, asking if there was anything to improve. And they'd start going off about, oh, you know, like the parking was really bad. 
on that on Lowheed Highway over there. It was terrible. And I always had to go that way because I liked going to the Tim Hortons a block before that. And like they would just go off and you're like yeah. Okay, nice. my question was, is there anything we can do to improve? Yeah. Like she said, food. hey, maybe you should get some breakfast sandwiches for the gym. Like, <laughs> blow you down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> have Timbits as a post-workout meal. Maybe if you come in, I can show you a better way. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was really funny, man. It was super yeah. funny. But it, t- it taught me a lot about patience because I, I just didn't have it when I first started. And I still yeah. struggle with patience today i think a lot of people do it's tough to wait yeah well and it's tough to listen too yeah listening is uh everyone i think everyone struggles with listening everyone wants to talk about themselves right like that's all anyone wants to do like when i meet up with people for talking about development it's easy that's another thing back to this like it's just easy because people want to talk about what they're doing yeah it's so cool to them right and i want to hear about it as long as you have the right questions to ask like Someone will go on for an hour about something when you just wanted to meet for 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, even like, look at like what we're doing right now. We've been talking for like, like probably an hour and a half. Yeah. I've looked at your other podcasts. They're not as long usually, right? They're, uh, dude, you've been rambling away, man. I love it. Yeah. I don't stop. Sorry. Both of us actually. So I like it, man. I like it. Um, it's actually interesting because when, uh, when I first started at Nash, I, I had troubles kind of sparking conversations and just like, like I just wanted to do all the talking. I thought sales was talking. I thought that's yeah. what it was. And one of my bosses gave me a, a cool kind of phrase, I guess, that reminded me what my purpose was. And he said, look, man, if you're talking, you're selling. But if they're talking, they're buying. Yeah. And yeah, so true. all you have to do is to get them to talk about what they need, what their problems are, what, yeah. where they need help, right? And I was like, well, how do I get them to talk? And he said, just ask them about themselves. Do people love talking about themselves? Yeah, what they're doing. And like, yeah, like you said, like, it's true, man. You asked me about traveling and all of a sudden I'm going off for 30 minutes talking about in the outback with the kangaroos. Like it was all fun times. So I, lo- I love talking about it because it brings me back to like. Well, and it's like, dude, I can crazy. feel the emotion when you speak. Like, it's like, oh, this is something that he actually did and he felt like, and I can feel you. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, even though it's just yeah. through a Zoom call. That's what I like about public speaking too. Like when you're, people ask you questions and like, it's really like they're going through something or like someone's parent and they're like, oh my God, my daughter's this, this and this. And you give them an answer and you can see like, they're happy about the answer, right? And this, you can see the look of relief on their face too. Mm-hmm. Or even I'm sure you get times where they're like, damn, I do know that's the answer and it's going to be tough to implement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the hardest part about public speaking for mental health is I'm not a doctor. Right? I'm not an expert. Like, and people like, like, like you said, people just ask you things that just don't even make sense in the moment. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me one question about like, if someone's schizophrenic and they didn't tell me, like, are they allowed to live with me? Don't they have to tell me? I was like, what? I have no idea why you even say that. I don't even, like, I, I, I don't even talk about schizophrenia, dude. I have no idea about schizophrenia. I don't bring it up ever. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. A lot, yeah, a lot of times in just small pieces of advice can really make a difference, I've found. Yeah, even myself, like, I talk about, you know, mental health and self-development or just, like, kind of, like, pushing your life into a happier, better direction. And sometimes like I've even had people message me and they ask me questions where I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know that. 
Like yeah. that's way above my realm of like yeah. expertise. That's Talk way above. Yeah. I was, I, I, at that point it's like, dude, you need to speak with like probably your doctor. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of problems with mental health industry is it's so expensive to like see an actual good therapist. Like it's like, I know, I know you're really against the whole like privilege and victimhood thing. Like you want to just own yourself. Right. But if you're really struggling, it costs $200 an hour to see someone who can fix you. versus like $50 an hour for someone with a bachelor's degree who's like just getting started. Right. It's, it's, it's so many hoops to jump through. Oh, trust me, man. I know. I, and that was like, kind of, I talk about like the hurdles that I had to jump through or to get help. And it's brutal. It is. It is really brutal, man. And I, and it's not that I don't really like the, I, it's not that I don't like talking about like privilege. I think that I like, there's a lot of people that do have privilege. I'm very privileged. I'm very blessed. Yeah, that being too. said, I just, I feel like, I feel like no matter what, even if you are privileged or you're a victim, if you've been right, righted in the past, or if you've been wronged in the past, I think that no matter what, whatever position you're in, there is external forces that have kind of helped get you there. Yeah. Whether it's in a good spot or a bad spot. Oh yeah, of course. And, and regardless of where you are, there's always something that you can do that can either put you in a different position or change the way you view your position yeah, 100%. or help you learn from the position you used to be in. Yeah. You always got to, like I said before, you got to have the point where you want to be and just the steps to get there and knock off the steps one by one, no matter where you are. Right? Well, and I think it's important to say it like that because I feel like, like a lot of people kind of share a similar view to me. But it comes across as, you know, why aren't you making your life better? Because you're choosing not to. You're choosing to be there. Whereas I kind of view it as the perspective of, you know, maybe you didn't choose to be there, but maybe there's something that you can do that you like there's hope, man. Like there is little little things, yeah. Like like there's something that you can control here. There's something, even whether it's you know, making your bed in the morning to make yourself feel a little bit better so that maybe you start dressing a little bit better. So maybe you start going to more job interviews so that maybe you can get a job. Like if that's how it works, then fine. But like, I just want to let people know that like there is hope, like there is a chance to get better. But it starts with little steps, right? If you're super depressed, you can't just get up and go for a freaking 10K jog and go hang out with all your friends, right? The first step is getting out of bed. Are you brushing your teeth, having a shower, or even like making something healthy in the morning, right? That's the first step, right? And then once you've done that, like I said, then you can do that the next day and the next day and the next day. Then maybe you'll want to go outside for a little walk. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously with depression, you can't just go for a walk. Like you might need medication, severe counseling. Like it's a thing in your brain. Got to make sure I state that. A big problem is like a lot of older generation people like, oh, you know, just get over it. Like, no, like you can't just get over it because there's something going on in your brain and your brain will not get over it unless you fix your brain, which takes a lot of work and maybe some pills. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's like what, like a neurological malfunction, right? Like, a yeah, uh, I believe, I don't know. Like, yeah. Oh, it's it's who knows if it's a malfunction or if it's just a, our society, right? Like anxiety, a big philosophy behind it is that you're trained to be scared of things there's nothing to be scared of, especially living in Canada. So you're scared about your brain just doesn't know what to do because there's, 
there's no lions chasing you there's no chance of the food running out you have you've no like when you live like in a tribe or something like these guys up in vietnam they got to grow the rice if they don't grow the rice man they're done mm-hmm. so like they all every day they know exactly what they have to do but here there's so many options you got all these people on youtube like giving you ads like for the e-commerce stuff like drop well, shipping yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, you hate your life, your boss, or whatever, and it, it makes you depressed, right? Because that guy's probably renting all his stuff, and he might be depressed too, right? So yeah. Everything like with social media, everything's fake, right? There's so many directions you can go, and it's so challenging to choose. That's like a big uh, people with PTSD that come back from the army, like going to a grocery store is so hard because in the army, when you're out fighting, everything's exactly the same. You know exactly what you have to do. You get up in the morning, you get the same guys. And you go to the exact same patrol and you know exactly where you're going to get shot at a lot of the time. Or like, you know exactly what's going to happen. Someone's shooting at me. Okay, we do this, this, and this, and we take them out. And then you're traumatized from that. And then you come back and there's freaking 60 cereal brands to choose from. And you're like, dude, I just want to eat. What the hell? Yeah, I want to eat. Like, because in the army, you just get your pack of food and you eat it. Right? Yeah. They, give it, they give it to you. And it's just all these choices make things really, really difficult for people. That's one of the downfalls of Western society. That's why the suicide rate, they think the suicide rate is so high. It's because yeah. people just, it's, it's so, like if you're not driving a Lambo and you're on Instagram, like you feel sad. I bet you do too. Do you, do you ever see those ads? And you're like, God, I wish I had a Lambo. Yeah, not Lambos, but I you know what like, I mean. I, yeah, and you know what the the ads are going to be tailored for what you like, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah like I see, like for, like I see, like huge houses, or everyone's kind of got like their. When I get rich, I'll buy blank. Yeah. Like for me, it's, it's for me, it's like kind of like a property to have like my family and like have like yeah. a big enough yard for kids, like that kind of stuff. But so you, you can't just get rich. That's the problem, right? It's the same thing. It's small steps. Yeah. Learn how to do something and you have a skill that pays X amount. And you know, okay, if I get this skill on top, I become that much more unique. Or how could I scale it? Yeah, how can I scale it? Yeah. Right? But you look at those videos and I, I get the same thing, man. I just, I hate Instagram, man. Like I just, I find myself scrolling on the stories all the time. And I see people doing all this stuff and it just, it just, it makes me sad inside for like a second. Then you just shut it off. Okay. Like this isn't, this is just stupid. Yeah. Or like even, you know, I see people that... You know, this is like a super vulnerable thing. I'll just be open about like I've seen a lot of people recently where like I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of YouTube videos yeah. and I see people just like make an account. And then a month later, they're at like 600,000 subscribers, like oh, half dude. a mil. They've blown up. And then I'm like, dude, I've been, you know, making you know, arguably not terrible videos no, for you're, like you're a year. Actually better, yeah. Right. Like, it's like, it's like, damn, man, like, when am I going to blow up? Like what? But then you realize it's like, dude, it's not about blowing up. It's about like actually just enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. If you enjoy what you're doing, maybe something will happen. But think about how many people are podcasting right now. Millions, man. Oh yeah. One of them's going to blow up. They have to for whatever reason. Right. So just keep, you keep doing what you're doing. You're doing good. And hopefully like as time progresses, you get more and more interesting guests on. Maybe with bigger followings. Like, I don't have a following. Like, you're not going to get very many people. I don't care about the following right now. Like, I don't care about the people's Ooh. following. I don't get yeah. that. I'm not discriminatory through that. I don't yeah. care. You could even have no social media and I'll talk to you. Yeah. So I, I'm, yeah. I like just like genuinely enjoy having conversations with people. Yeah. So that's all you got to do, man. Have you ever thought about public speaking? 
I know I talked talk to you about it before. Yes, man, I have. I think there's a huge niche. Well, and COVID is done. That's the problem. We need to get some vaccines going. Whether yeah, you're well, for that or not, we won't talk about it. But we got <laughs> we, we to we we get that under control first. The COVID yeah, we got to figure out the current situation. I think we yeah. can all agree on that. We but gotta, I think there's a huge niche for um, young men like yourself and me to do mental health stuff. Because most people I worked with were women. And there, and there are some men that are in it. But like you, you, you are like the exact example of like people would look at you when you were bodybuilding. And be like, damn, I want to be that guy. But you were like depressed, right? Or like miserable. miserable man. But I look at your Instagram and go, holy crap. Like, I wish I looked like that. Right. <laughs> but I had no idea what you're actually going through. Yeah. It was, and uh, it's really important for like children, especially to hear that from someone like you. You can show them the photo. Look, look how ripped I was. Like, I was absolutely shredded. Look at yeah. this. Look at my tan. Like, like, but this is how I was actually feeling inside. Yeah. So people probably look up to you, but they don't even understand what's going on yeah inside. so i think there's a huge niche for that for young men because like young men and like uh body dysmorphia i think is really real and especially with it's like instagram and magazines like they pump you up like you gotta take roids and look like this gym shark guy or whatever and it creates like a negative situation where working out should be positive should yeah be man thing. and like back to the body dysmorphia thing it's so funny because i remember being in that state of mind i remember being in the place where you know, uh, like I was a big dude. I was, um, I'm five foot 10 and I was about 235 pounds. You were huge, man. Pretty lean, pretty well, lean. I call huge. Maybe in your world, it wasn't big, but I thought you were huge. I, you know <laughs> what? I felt tiny, man. And I remember, yeah, I, I remember scrolling through the pictures in my phone, trying to pick out the best one where I looked the biggest. And then you know, you throw it on, you put a filter on it to try and make the shadows look better so you look yeah, defined. Yeah. And, bro, I remember posting these pictures feeling inside I felt like a fraud because I was like, I feel like I look better in this picture than I do, you yeah. know? And Even I, if you posted a crappy photo, like me looking at it, I'd still be like, oh, he's huge. Like, regardless, like, the only people that would critique you is yourself and other people that are just like you. Yeah. Right? Because I like if you posted any photo, I would I just look at it, oh my god, look at the size of this guy. <laughs> this, <laughs> this guy's massive. Right? Oh man, yeah, I hate that. I Completely hate that. different wardrobe now, man. I never um was really into getting huge. I, I I have some issues. I have like this back rare back problem where like I it's called the syrinx. It's pretty brutal. So if I if I uh, hurt my back, like my legs stop moving for a bit, which is uh, wow. quite annoying. <laughs> it's uh it's pretty annoying. So kidding, man. I, I could never lift super heavy, but um, I just, just never got into that mindset where I have to get huge. I think a big part of it's because I'm six foot three. Yeah, it's a little harder when you're that much taller, man. Yeah, I just didn't really care as much. Like I, I always wish I was ripped, but like it's not on my priority, especially not right now because I'm in four classes and working full time. So it's really hard to get down to the gym. <laughs> yeah, I think it was mainly like I really enjoyed the feeling of it. I remember yeah. I got into it because I wanted to play a, a starting position on a rugby team. And one yeah. of my coaches yeah, I told me that. I had to get bigger. And so yeah. I, I did. And yeah, you did, dude. And then I fell in love with just like the idea of, you know, I remember the way he said it. He was like, yeah, you're going to have to gain about 20 pounds. And it's like his voice, to me at least, my perception of it was it sounded like he didn't think I could. And so when I came back bigger and stronger, 
and he was kind of pleased with that i was like you know that that made me feel good and i got addicted to that feeling and i was like well what if i can get bigger and then it got to the point where people would kind of comment it, it like i would just have to like show up somewhere basically at a restaurant or at a party yeah. people would be like hey do you work out you must lift weights are you a bodybuilder and then that was like Hey, this is a cool way I can bypass awkward conversations. Yeah, because then you're the, you're the man, and everyone, every guy wants to look like that. Even if you say you don't, or or your girl or your girlfriend goes, "Oh, it's okay, sweetie, I like you the way you are." It's like no, like every everyone secretly wants to look like that, but it's so much work, right? So much work. Yeah, and it's a lot of sacrifices that I ended up deciding weren't worth it for me. Yeah, hundred percent, man. That's at least at least you figure that out early on before you juice yourself up to like the point where there's no, no going back, no balls or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could have been, yeah, I could have been a water balloon with broken joints up. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty, you never synth all. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked that my joints are in a position that they are now. Like I, I feel good. I'm doing a lot more like yeah. uh, is all good. Yeah. My cardio health is great. I've been going to, well, like I've always, I've always been, you know, seeing professionals in terms of like checking like my hormones and checking my, my blood pressure, checking my yeah, heart. Perfect. So I, uh, I feel really good, man. I'm doing cardio every single morning now and yeah. I'm doing yoga on the weekends. Like I'm stretching a lot. So I feel yeah. really good. Feel yeah. really good. So, so back to like the niche about, um, like what you could do for public speaking, like you're, you're a really good spot when COVID ends, if you want to get jump into it. Like I, I can go, I can, we can figure something out if you want. I don't know how I'm going to navigate it, but um, you, you've got like, you've got the photos of you bodybuilding. You're, you're exactly what all those young guys want to look like. You've got the tattoos, right? Total bro. And uh, you can just tell them what, what actually happened. Cause yeah, I, I, when I, when I, my big thing when I'm speaking is I don't tell them, I'm not telling you not to smoke pot or like go get drunk with your friends. Right. I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just telling you what happens. Like this is what happened to people I know. And this is like, I'm not lying. Like, this is actually what happened to them. And it's, it's devastating, right? Yeah. And I feel like people listen more when you pitch it like that instead of being like, just say no. If you smoke weed, your brain's going to melt or whatever. I watched these ads and I was in grade eight about like, you remember them, right? Those stupid Yeah, ads. like the flattened out like girl that was on the couch like this and stuff like that. It's like, this is what will happen. You're like, oh, I watched this video and this girl smoked weed and like got schizophrenia or whatever. And it's like, I'm not going to get schizophrenia. That's so rare. <laughs> like no one, no one thinks you're going to get it. Right. So yeah. I, I hated those ads. Yeah, man. They, they don't, was, they didn't work. There was a bunch of silly things, but it's like, man, nobody really knows the solution for these things. They're just spitballing. I think this, I think I know the solution. Well, my opinion of the solution is um, you give people the skills for when they're feeling sad so they don't have to rely on something else to make them feel better or somebody else, right? You mm -hmm. want the coping mechanisms early on, mm -hmm. right? You wear a seatbelt in your car. So when you crash in the in an unexpected crash, you don't fly out the window, right? Yeah. If you don't have a seatbelt in life and there's a crash, you're going to fly out the window, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to be seriously damaged, right? It's uh. Yeah, there seems to be a happy medium. One of the books I'm yeah. reading right now, the, he's, the, he's, the author's been speaking about that, how there's a direct correlation between how much adversity someone's faced in the past to how much adversity they can overcome now and how quickly yeah. they'll recover from it. Yeah. But too little adversity leaves someone struck by adversity. So once they face a struggle, 
it pretty much stops them dead in their tracks. Oh yeah. Trust Whereas me. too much adversity can just stop someone dead in their tracks. Yeah. And so there well, seems to be like a happy medium. Yeah. Well, you see that man, like what, like what upsets you wouldn't upset me because it's based on what we faced in the past. Right. Or what upsets me wouldn't upset you. That's the people in university that were devastated because they got under 90% on a test. And I'm like, really? But then you got to think about that's the hardest thing that's ever happened to them is doing bad on, well, bad in their mind on a test. So that to them is the worst thing ever because they've yeah. never faced anything else. So if they get rejected from a job or something, it's just brutal. Yeah. It's like on a spectrum. Yes. Correct. Beautiful, man. Well, dang, dude, we've been talking for about an hour no. 45. I, I think it's breakfast. Yeah. I was going to say, I need to eat again. I, uh, I did have a snack earlier before we did this, but let's wrap this up. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm super lazy and I don't really do my own intros or my own outros. So I'm going to let you actually wrap this up, tie a little bow on it and give it to the people. But here's where I'll say is um, the only requirement for today. The only thing I ask of you for being able to share this conversation with me is you have to end off the conversation with a little positivity for anyone that watches this. Oh, one. Perfect. Well, I, I didn't know that, so I got to think on the spot now, hey? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the point, man. Unless, well, anyways, unless... my, my whole philosophy throughout my life, and I'm in no means where I want to be right now. Like, I'm, I'm still pushing really hard to get where I want to be. And then once I'm there, I'm going to want to get somewhere else. This is kind of the way I, I operate. But just to wrap up everything that I've said, every single thing I talked about from the public speaking to, like, getting out of getting in trouble and pivoting my life and going traveling is all just – if you have an idea, just do it, but don't think that you're going to be the top guy right away. Don't think that you can just go to Laos and not get anxious if you're trying to get a bus that doesn't show up, right? Start in Australia. Same thing with work. Start with something small. Start with calling people, going for coffee. And then once you get comfortable and you kind of learn what they're doing, then ask them for if they know anyone who's hiring, right? That kind of thing. So build things up small, but never lose your end vision. Always have the end vision and just work your way up. And eventually things that you thought were terrifying and you couldn't do become something you'll do every day. Or it'll be, you won't even have to do it anymore because someone else will be doing it for you because of your, where you're in your position in your work. So that's, that's just to wrap it up. You know, like I said, just keep your vision on the end goal. You want to do something, figure out the small steps to get there and eventually you'll get there. And I did it, you know, and I know people that didn't do it and, they're in a horrible spot like that I graduated with. And when I, when I graduated, I did not think I could do it. I wrote, I wrote that big spreadsheet I told you about, and it was just, I was like, oh, I'm going to freaking screw this all up. Like, I'm going to end up working at McDonald's. This is unattainable. But I checked the box off one by one, got more confident, and I knew, okay, now I, now, and then I ended up doing it. And I ended up going on the trip that I wanted to go on. I did everything I wanted to do, and I met a great girl along the way. And that's all. That matters, right? That's amazing, man. Blind faith led you to where you are. Yeah. You just got faith in yourself. And if I don't like the industry I'm in right now, which is not going to happen because I love it, I'll just figure out something else and I'll hit the phones again. That's beautiful, man. That's a beautiful way to wrap it up. So if you're feeling like you want to try something new, if you're feeling like you've always wanted to try something, Alex and I are kind of agreeing right now. Just jump into it. Get into it. Get your feet in the water and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy yeah, and what I've done was not difficult. It seems like it was talking about it, but it really wasn't. It was just, things just kind of flowed one by one. You just check off your goals and make sure you write everything down. And like I said, know where you want to be. 
and you'll you'll get there. And if you don't get there, you'll get somewhere else, right? Shoot for the stars, land on the moon. I love it, man. Well, thank okay. you so much, bro. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for everyone that listened. Yeah. And uh, I hope you guys have a great week, a great month, and a great year, man. Enjoy your life. Peace out, right. bro. Peace.